This is the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. My name is Sarah Jefford and I'm a surrogate and a surrogacy lawyer. In this episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing my sister Claire and her partner Cass about growing their family with the help of a sperm donor and egg sharing uh, to create their little girl, Aria, who was also featured in the interview. Um, I could tell you all sorts of embarrassing things about my sister Claire and what she got up to as a child, but actually I think this story is just really lovely and sweet. And if you're considering uh, conceiving with a donor, then I think it's worth listening to. I'm going to hand over now to Claire and Cass. I'm Cassandra and this is my wife Claire here with me. Hello. And we're talking about our story. So my story started as an individual um, quite a few years ago. I think it was about maybe five years ago now. So I was, uh, I was single and I was wanting to start my own family and I thought that I would have had a partner sorted by then, but I didn't. And so I started looking into the IVS stuff, but I was really kind of uh, uncomfortable with the idea of an anonymous donor only because um, my work has predominantly been in foster care and I've just seen uh, the impact on some of the kids when they don't know who they are or where they come from and how important it is for them to be able to see likeness in the, in the adults in their lives and things like that. So for me personally, um, I, I wanted to know the donor for my baby. And so um, I kind of put it aside at that point and thought maybe it's not going to happen because I'm just not comfortable with it. And surprisingly, uh, I received a text message from one of my closest mates who said, um, I'm thinking about getting the SNP unless you wanted us to donate. And so he and his wife already had three children and I thought he was just being funny. So I wrote back and said, haha, how does your wife feel about that? And he said, she's the one who asked me to ask you. So for the first time I had to really ponder that and thought long and hard about it and decided we would have further conversations. But in my mind, I thought of all the people that I do know, he would have been my choice. Um, he's a wonderful dad, a great guy. Um, we'd been friends for about uh, maybe maybe uh, around 10 years by that time. So I knew him really well. And his children called me Auntie Cass already. So there was already quite a strong connection with our friendship. So we had a conversation, um, the three of us, and they seemed really, uh, really keen to help me out but they what I really liked about them was that they kept saying that it would be my baby and for me I felt that my my need for them to be involved was probably bigger than their need so um, I asked that they kind of be the aunt and uncle role which they were keen on but they really just wanted me to do whatever was that I was comfortable with and they were happy to go with it they just really were open absolutely amazing so, yeah, I went and got legal advice and that advice recommended that we go through IVF because if we just did um, an agreement between ourselves, there could be some issues come up with Centrelink with, um, you know, trying to seek parental payments or something from him. So just to cover everybody, we decided to go through IVF. So we tried with IUI. We did that twice, um, which wasn't successful. And then... From there, uh, I started some online dating and <laughs> come across Claire 
And so part of my conversation with Claire in the very early stages was that I was going through IVF and I really wanted to be a mum. And Claire at that point already had two children. She had, uh, I think he was 12 and the other one was 15 at the time. Uh, so it would have been, it would have been a deal breaker for me had she have not been interested in, um, in supporting my journey to be a mum. But I say too that it was sort of, well, that, you know, this is what I come with. It was sort of, I came with teenagers and <laughs> she came with one and baby. So it, was kind of broke even, I thought. <laughs> I'm probably getting the better end of the deal. <laughs> True. So so from there, obviously, we kind of let the relationship happen and I put the baby stuff on hold for a little while just to um, make sure that we were pretty solid before we continued. And then uh, we both went in for an appointment with IVF to do the counselling as a couple. And and when we say put on hold, one of the questions from the the counsellor was, <laughs> and how long have you been together? We both said, oh, six months. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a really solid six months. Yes. And we've done a lot of talking. <laughs> <laughs> and when you know, you know. And I think at, at our age, you know, we were both um, early 30s at the time. I think when we met online, we had some really deep and thorough discussions really early on that maybe some couples wouldn't have straight up. And, yeah, I think we were both at the point where we're like, you know, it's all or nothing. This is where we're at this is where we want to be, um, you know, take it or leave it. And all our values and, and ideas seem to match up quite well. So, yeah, even though it had only been six months, it felt much longer than that. I guess in the lesbian world, it's, you know, forever. So, <laughs> so we, we went in and uh, started that conversation and then we started IVF. So we did two cycles with my eggs. The first cycle, I think I got three eggs um, and on the day we went in for transfer, uh, it had stopped growing. So we didn't actually get a transfer out of the first try. And then the second time I got four eggs and one, um, they grew to day three and they wanted to put it in um, before day five just to increase the chances. Sorry, that's our baby crying in the background. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, so we did the transfer for that time and it didn't take. And so I became really disheartened about it all. I felt like I'd contributed a lot of money towards the process at that point. And um, because I wasn't getting big egg numbers, I wasn't getting um, really much out of each egg collection. So I was willing to give up. And I had that conversation with Claire. I'd been in the journey about four years at that time. And I just felt like it, it wasn't going to happen. And it certainly wasn't going to happen easily. Uh, Claire talked me into trying the at-home inseminations and we had that discussion with our donors and they were incredible they were up for it um so the tricky part with that was we live about four hours from each other so not only did i have to try and time my ovulation with like work time off but we also had to time it with when they were available so <laughs> we did a lot of airbnbs and um catch-ups down their way trying to make it as, as um, I guess, fun for them as well with the catch-up. So it wasn't just about um, donating. It was more about, you know, spending time together and that was just a part of it. And then from there, we just felt that we felt like we were asking a lot from them and that it kind of had become about catching up when I was ovulating rather than just catching up for the sake of catching up. So it just it felt really uncomfortable. Um, so yeah, again, had conversations with Claire about 
just not feeling like it was going to happen and feeling like we were asking too much. So uh, Claire said, what if we try with her eggs? Which when I first started the journey, the whole idea for me was to have a biological child. And so the idea of using Claire's egg was, um, I felt like it changed it changed the whole process. So it took me a little while to really come to terms with that and really nut out what, what it was about that, that um, wasn't as comfortable. And I guess at the end of the day, like I wanted to have a baby with Claire. And so if we could biologically have a baby together, then we would, we would definitely do that. So she wasn't replacing my role in it, that the donor was actually, replacing my role in it. So just getting my head around that, um, I guess took a little bit of time, but I had come so far, still really keen to have a baby. Claire was extremely supportive. So thought, yeah, let's do it. So we went in and Claire did her egg collection and <laughs> we got 35 eggs first go from Claire, which is incredible. So from that, we ended up with 10 embryos and wow. we, Tra yeah, we transferred the first embryo, which was our A-grade embryo, and we became successfully pregnant. And we now have a beautiful little daughter, Aria, who's six months old and has made the whole journey worth it. And it's actually really tricky for me to remember all the steps along the way, which I could have quoted to you before I had a baby. But <laughs> since, since I've had Aria, it just it's all just faded into the background, which is my dream for everybody who's going through the process of trying to have a baby in whatever way they're doing it is that, yeah, at some point, you know, all the numbers and, and all the tries and all of that, that you've got completely, you know, memorized. Um, hopefully that just all becomes a big blur, but I know that's not everybody's journey. We've been extremely lucky and I was really lucky to have Claire um, really pushing me along the way at the end. Cause um, yeah, she's really the reason why I became a mum. That's so there amazing. you go. That's our story. And of course I know this story because, you know, Aria is my niece, but yes. tell me, what's your relationship like with your sperm donor and his family? And have you sort of had to define that relationship or is it something that just happens naturally? Well, good question. So yes. Yeah, so you definitely paved the way for us in, in uh, Claire's side of the family. We have a very rainbow collective little group um, going on. So that was helpful. Thank you. <laughs> And yeah, so in regards to our donor family, so uh, our donor had two adopted siblings growing up. So for him, family is what you make it. And he uh, has called me a family member for quite a long time, which is absolutely beautiful. Um, he initially didn't want to tell his mum. So his, his father has, has passed. Um, he didn't want to tell his mum initially, and <laughs> which made me a little bit nervous when he said that but it was purely because he thought she'd be so excited that she'd be asking him every two minutes whether or not I was pregnant <laughs> so so we decided that well he decided really that he would tell his mum once we actually were pregnant and then they would tell their children once we were pregnant as well just so that they weren't um you know anxiously waiting for this arrival of a baby that may not happen so his children are currently and I'm gonna get it wrong but I I think they're about 13, 10 and 6 at this point. So they were told when we were pregnant, they were told that um, we were having a baby and our donors were waiting for them to say, well, how does, 
how does Cass and Claire have a baby without the extra ingredients? But they didn't. And so um, our donors kept saying, do you, you want to know any more about this? And they're like, no, like Cass and Claire having a baby. That's amazing. Um, so then they had to tell them that, yeah, it had been um, their dad's sperm that we had used. And so, yeah, the kids were like, oh, does that make it a half sibling? And they're like, oh, technically, yeah, but um, maybe you could be cousins. And they were totally fine with that. And so that's what we've run with. We don't really say, oh, here's Aria, your cousin. We just try and make sure that they have lots of opportunities to get to know each other. Um, they came and saw us when we were in hospital and she'd just arrived. Um, she timed it perfectly with when they were coming down to see us. So, yeah, her donor siblings were just in awe of her and all fighting over little cuddles, which was really cute. So for Aria, we don't really have the terminology decided yet. We were kind of hoping that our donor, um, our donor's kids would set the bar on how they would describe it, but they really haven't um, made much of a conversation about um, how they identify with her. They've just, they just obviously call her Aria and um, ask after her and want to spend time with her and play with her. And it's so, actually making me realise that we should probably have more conversations like this because Darcy and my kids also have a similar relationship, I guess. And the same thing is happening that my boys just refer to her as Darcy and there's no other language being used yet. But I presume that as they get older, they'll ask more questions and they might use other language that suits them. But for now, it's just they just call her Darcy. Well, that's it. And I, and I think you make a really good point is that um, we haven't had those conversations with extended family. So I was a little bit nervous at our wedding. We were four months pregnant at that time and our donors were going to be present. Um, and I was a bit nervous that people would go up and say, oh, you're the donor or um, say to his kids or their kids, oh, you're going to have a little sibling or whatever language they were going to use. So it made me quite anxious that we hadn't really defined it. So we had that conversation with the donors and they were happy to just see where it went and answer any questions that came up. They're so flexible and laid back that that really helps. Um, but yeah, they weren't approached by anybody after all our preparations and uh, yeah, no conversations were actually had around it. So we haven't had to define it. I think I'll be really um, cautious about how we define it with Aria um, in the initial stages, just so that she's not hearing terms from other people first. So once we've decided on how it's going to be said or, or the words that we'll use, we'll, yeah, we'll make a conscious effort to sh share that with our nearest and dearest and those in her life. But at this point, we've made no secret that she's um, an IVF baby and people know who her donors are. We've told, we told Claire's boys um, when we found out we were pregnant who the donor was and we'd made sure that he'd already been a part of their lives anyway they'd already met him and his wife and his kids so they knew exactly who we were talking about um well ryan's reaction being a typical well he's not really a typical teenager but um i said you know Cass is Cass is having a baby and he goes oh i said it's actually you know it's actually my egg so it's you know going to be genetically your sibling and so he turns to me and goes oh so it's not even related to her <laughs> Lovely. She's related to her. She's growing. <laughs> so that that was that was a part of the challenge for me actually too. Was when I was announcing my pregnancy, depending who I was announcing it to, was how much information I gave. And so many people just assumed that uh, she was from my egg, which is a fair assumption um, if you haven't heard otherwise. Um, so that was really difficult for me to know 
what to say and to who, but I just decided I would be open with it, open about it from the very beginning. It would never be a secret or something that I um, felt that there needed to be different wording around. And partly because too, I wanted to promote that families are made in different ways. And if anybody was considering it, I didn't want to, I didn't want them to think that I was feeling shame or anything around how it all happened. I'm proud of how it happened. And, and um, yeah, so we still have awkward social situations. I mean, like even tonight, I I carried the baby into the restaurant, and the lady says to me, "Oh gosh, she looks like you." And I was like, "Oh, that's actually kind of the first stranger that said that." I'm gonna say so. She's assuming that I birthed this baby. And Cass goes, "Well, this will confuse her when I start breastfeeding her." <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of we just kind of have those kind of little. We feel like we confuse other people sometimes in that kind of situation just because Aria does kind of look so much like me. And then, yeah, there's Cass being her more obvious mother. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And then medical professionals, it's really tricky too because they'll often ask my medical history in regards to Aria. And then I get confused and then I'm like, oh, wait, no, it's Claire's egg. So it's not, you know, allergies or whatever in my family is probably not relevant. And we don't know how much epigenetics plays. I haven't researched it to you know a great deal but um yeah often we're confusing everybody but we've had a we've had wonderful reactions and everybody's been quite inclusive once they've found out but um yeah Claire Claire, could you talk to us about what it was like having your partner carrying a baby that was genetically from you was that something that you had to wrap your head around the way that Cass had to wrap her head around uh, carrying a baby that wasn't genetically from her um not in any kind of negative way. I think for me it was, you know, you kind of feel like, um, you know, like you're, almost like you're cheating. Like, well, this is cool. <laughs> like I get to have a baby, particularly because we're in a relationship. Like I'm not, it's not like I've donated an egg and then, you know, this baby's going to go and live with someone else's family. Like I kind of, you know, I got to have somebody else have a baby with me and for me kind of thing. So. Yeah, only in only in positive ways. I felt like, in a way, I did have my own kind of surrogate. I guess I kind of felt like I was getting. <laughs> I, I had the easy option, yeah. Especially like having been through pregnancy and birth, I know it's not very easy. So yeah, only positive thoughts. It was. I always felt like it was Cass's baby, and I was probably more like uh, when she was born. I was a bit more like, oh, is it okay if I do this? And is it okay if I do that? And Cass is going. Well, it's your baby too. And I'm like, oh, no, I just don't want to, you know, I feel like it's your baby. And, you know, I didn't want to kind of intrude. I felt like she'd done all the work, so she should sort of have all the fun, if that makes sense. So, yeah, it took a while for me to kind of realise, oh, okay, yeah, she's, she is my baby too. I'm allowed to enjoy her, if that makes sense. Yeah. And now I know what Claire's family has, how we've all reacted, but Cass, how did your family react to you having a baby with a donor? Or in this case, with Claire and the donor? Yeah, well, initially when it was just um, me as a single person having a baby with a donor, they were all absolutely fine with it because they were desperate for me to have a baby. Um, and I made sure that they knew they knew our donor and, and his family really well as well. So there was no, um, I wonder what he's like or is he a good person or anything like that. They knew exactly who he was and, and the type of guy he was. So, And they obviously had met his wife and knew that she was just as on board uh, as he was. So... Yeah, absolutely fine for my family. I think it confused my gran a lot. Um, <laughs> you know, they had to they had to kind of come to terms with me being 
uh, gay and thinking that I would never have children or never get married, which was, um, you know, obviously completely wrong. But, but yeah, they had to come to terms with that. And then when, when I was talking about having a baby, they were just extremely excited. So, yeah, having Claire's egg, uh, I, when we started going through the IVF with Claire's eggs, we'd already started um, the process but I kind of pretended that we hadn't started yet and just pulled aside my parents individually and said, look, we're thinking about using Claire's egg. And both of them surprisingly had the same reaction. They just said, well, as long as you carry it, we just really want you to be able to have your baby. Uh, so yeah, neither of them batted an eyelid about it being uh, not genetically connected to them, which really, really surprised me. Um, and same with, yeah, my grandparents who, you know, I'm very close to, they, everyone was just really excited that I was having having a baby and that I hadn't given up on the process. So I've been, yeah, really, really lucky with my family. I haven't had negative reactions or people questioning me. It's been pure support, which, yeah, it's awesome. That's amazing. So if either of you had any advice for people that are looking for uh, or looking at donor options, what would your advice be? Oh, I would say go with your gut and do what works for you. I think um, as long as you're making decisions based on what you think the child would like, then I think you're making a good decision as a parent. I think sometimes we get a bit carried away with um, being so desperate to have a baby. And, and I've been there as well, where you try and talk yourself out of some of the values that you might have around it. But it's an individual journey. You're the one that has to live with... Um, the process and, and how you, you come to have your baby. So do it your way. Definitely seek advice from others and, and definitely ask um, the, the opinions of people that you really care about and who are going to be in your village and your support people. But take the bits that fit for you. And, uh, and yeah, ultimately, it's got to sit well with you. So you, you do it your way. Thank you for listening to the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about surrogacy, you can have a look at my website at sarahjefford.com. You can also find me on Facebook and on Instagram, and you can listen to more podcasts on the website or on Apple Podcasts.